lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. We are welcoming back for the Dace Group here in a few moments our good friend, Josh Hammer, who is the op-ed page editor over at Newsweek. He's launching, by the way, a brand new podcast. So if it's uh, if it's hosted by Josh, you know, it will be very thoughtful. Most of the time, correct. Most of the time, correct. So I will let Josh give you the details on that here coming up in just a few minutes. You can let us know the details of what you think about what we think by emailing the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Day Show, though we would prefer that you would leave those censoring platforms so I could. I just, I can't leave until you do because you guys, that's typically how you get my content more than any other way. I I would like to leave, but you guys got to go first. Okay. So there are other platforms out there. Look for Steve Dace on uh, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab at Steve Day Show on Getter and then get clips of the show free of censorship and free to watch at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. We have a jam-packed show for you today on a Friday. Of course, you know what that means. We have Feedback Friday coming up next hour where we will get to some of your responses to us. Before we begin the day's group, you know, one of the questions I continue to get a lot is how do I get a doctor I can trust to treat me with COVID? I mean, the little things now that we have been telling you on this show for going on two years, a massive peer-reviewed study out of Israel yesterday found the, the the actual terminology they used was, quote, remarkable, unquote, in the study when they found a direct correlation between vitamin D levels and severity of COVID infection. Who's been telling you? This data has been out there all along, by the way. I mean, it's not like guys I've, you know, have the ability to just, you know, originally mine data Hey, guys, the number one driver of COVID surges and severity is vitamin D deficiency. I don't have the ability to know that. I I did have the ability, though, to read approximately a dozen studies all over the world that have said this, at least that I've just known. There's probably more, but just the amount I've read in the over at least 18 months. And, And this stuff is now now this stuff is beginning to come out. And this is, again, why you need a physician that will treat you like a patient and not a lab rat uh, for uh, you know a subsidiary of Pfizer, who you're looking for, even with the milder Omicron st- strain, right? Because again, we don't know what the long-term ramifications of exposure to this virus is. So I went ahead, I, had, I, I don't do ivermectin because uh, it was recommended to me as an asthmatic that eh, that can be an issue. Uh, and for Omicron, hydroxychloroquine worked just as well. So when I got the Omicron strain, I went with the hydroxychloroquine protocol. My wife went th- with the ivermectin protocol. So if you're looking for a doctor that knows what he's doing, all right, and this is all he's done. Uh, he has treated over 40,000 COVID patients with zero deaths. You're looking for Dr. Saeed Hyder. You can get him right now at mygotodoc.com. That's mygotodoc.com. And also... Because this is becoming a big issue, like we, uh, you know, we we fixated on this on the show yesterday. They can connect you to pharmacies that can help you to fill your prescriptions. 
Okay, they can help with that as well because that's a big issue. All right, mygotodoc.com is where you want to go. Mygotodoc.com. And with that, it is time for the day's group. Your weekly look at the week that was welcomes back our good friend, Josh Hammer, who, of course, didn't have any time for us over the last few months. But now that we're deep into college basketball season, we're only about five weeks from Selection Sunday and his beloved Dukies uh, have a real team again. Lo and behold, suddenly, suddenly he, he's got time to come on the show and, and reintroduce himself. Josh, how are you? Steve, much like the Groundhog on Groundhog Day, I, I'm ready to emerge. So thanks for having me back, as always. Even wearing the Duke, even wearing a, the Duke colors. In fact, tell us about the new podcast, Josh. Sure. Yes, yeah. so we just launched our first episode last week. Had on my friend, former colleague Michael Knowles, our first guest. We launch your next episode next week. Got Dave Rubin. Lots of good guests. Obviously, Steve, we're going to want you on soon. So right now, we're starting as just kind of a weekly thing. I mean, I'm not trying to kind of compete with the Daily Talkers, at least yet. But I mean, you know, the idea here is not to be like a daily news cycle kind of program. It's it's a little higher level. We're talking about like where conservatism is, where the Republican Party is, what has gone wrong, what needs to change. So really kind of trying to steer the direction of the movement. I'm not trying. I'm not full of myself. I don't think I have that kind of power. But that's the, those are the conversations that I at least want to have on the podcast. So, you know, you can find it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast. It's called The Josh Hammer Show. Pretty easy to remember. And um, look forward to having you on soon, Steve. You got it, brother. And congrats. Uh, welcome addition uh, to the uh, to the uh, to the industry out there. So good to have you back. Let's get to it. Issue one. Bleep. Lord Nefarious says. Imagine that an adult male uh, wants to have sex with a 12 year old girl. Imagine that she's a willing participant. A, a very standard, very widely held view that there's something deeply wrong about this, and it's wrong independent of it being criminalized. It's not obvious to me that it is, in fact, wrong. I think this is a mistake. My name's Nicole, and I'm a doctor kids, and I help parents not with their lids. And Charlie, I just really, I want to share with you really quickly, like, this, this here is mifepristone. This is the first of two pills you would take to end a pregnancy, and it would induce an abortion, this very pill, um, by blocking the hormone and allowing a pregnancy to grow. And I wanna show you how easy it is and safe it is by taking it myself. You're taking it, are you, are you not, are you, you're not pregnant, are you? Uh, I would say that this is going to end uh, a pregnancy. This would be my third abortion. Dr. Todd, I know the tricks to keeping kids from getting sick. Second, the notion that it's wrong even with a one-year-old is, is not quite obvious to me. There are reports in some cultures of grandmothers filleting their, uh, the baby boys to calm them down when, when a college. If this were to be true, and again, I don't know it to be true, if it were to be true, it's hard to see what would be wrong with it. Oh my God, Todd, I, what are we gonna do? It's like, 
people just don't believe us anymore. I know, I know, Nicole. You know what? These people would rather just listen to some random person or somebody on social media. West Australian parents who are unvaccinated will be banned from seeing their own sick children in the state's hospitals. It's a tough decision, isn't it? What would a parent do? Confronted by that, would it make you change your philosophy? Maybe it would. I think this is what the government needs to do at this point to really shock and challenge people into, as Basil was saying, change their philosophy, change their action and get vaccinated. I do, what are we going to do? I don't know. Maybe, wait, what if we created the perfect cheer? You think about major newsrooms like CNN that have health departments and deaths and operations that work hard on verified information on COVID-19. And then you have talk show stars like Joe Rogan who just wing it, who make it up as they go along. And because figures like Rogan are trusted by people that don't trust real newsrooms, we have a tension, a problem that's much bigger than Spotify. I have attended protests and rallies in the past uh, when I agreed with the goals, when I supported the people uh, expressing their concerns and their issues. Black Lives Matter is an excellent example of that. But I have also chosen to not go anywhere near protests that have expressed hateful rhetoric, violence towards fellow citizens, uh, and a disrespect uh, not just of science, but of uh, the frontline health workers. Who's that girl talking about vaccines? It's me! It's me! Who's that girl talking about vaccines? It's me! It's me! The Holocaust isn't about race. It's that perfect. But these are two Roma. white groups of people. Welcome wanna, back, I, Hammer. Are uh, you sure you want to come back? <laughs> I want to. I want to punch God, everybody. I, in I don't that know video. after that. I want to punch everybody in that video. That hurt. And, and that professor dude. You know, I got it. How about? How about you and I take a little trip out to open water? Just the two of us. And, just the two of us. And only one of us comes back. How about that? I'm in. You know. Let's, how about that? What's the best of our worst this week, Josh? Go ahead. Steve, I just want to clarify. The girl who was on television, was she drinking an abortion pill like yes. on live television? She was taking an abortifacient on live television. And this happened on the, the Fox affiliate in Detroit last weekend. The other woman, by the way, is a longtime friend of mine. Uh, her name, the, the 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 pretty blonde that's on the other side of the screen there, it, you remember the clip? Her name is Rebecca Kiesling. Uh, she is a successful attorney in Michigan, uh, pro-life activist, and um, she was conceived in rape, uh, actually. Oh my God. And, and so she's watching this, which she thought was going to be an earnest debate, de- instead delve into essentially a live child sacrifice on the air. Yes. I, I mean, Steve, look, I, I am a reasonably intelligent guy. I'm an editor. I have a decently large vocabulary. I don't know that I have words to describe that. Um, I've come on this podcast many times, as you know. You've been gracious to invite me on many days groups on Friday panels and all that. That is the most profoundly evil thing that I have seen um, in yeah. my entire time coming coming on this podcast. I mean, she that is diabolical. That's satanic. I mean, like you could I literally don't know what what how else to describe that. I that, mean, that's like, that's essentially all we said when I had not seen the video until Aaron played it for me on Monday's montage. I didn't know that this had gone on and I was flabbergasted, too. I mean, 
I mean, I have a pretty good vocabulary because I'm, I'm a community college guy because I read people like you. So that's how I have a pretty good vocabulary. And I didn't know what to say either other than that's just some straight up demonic crap right there, man. I just didn't, I didn't know what else to say. What, what do you even say to that? I don't know. There's nothing else to say, honestly. So I guess I'll just very briefly comment on something else we saw because I literally don't know how, how else to express my just my disgust at that particular thing. But look, the Whoopi Goldberg thing, maybe we'll get to it later in the program here. I mean, I, I guess from my perspective, what makes the Whoopi Goldberg, Goldberg thing that much more egregious is the fact that, she, that Whoopi Goldberg, who was born with the last name Johnson, has assumed the name Goldberg. Hmm. And she did that, you know, it, it's kind of debated where it's not really obvious why she did this, but there's at least like a semi-credible kind of rumor that I've heard from a, numer- a lot of different sources, I'm sure we've all kind of heard this, that her mom encouraged her to adopt the name Goldberg so that she would have more career success in Hollywood. So if you kind of take that like a deeply cynical and manipulating kind of modus operandi, and then you look at what she's talking about now as far as kind of this Holocaust revisionism, this ahistorical lunacy, I think it really does make um, it that much more galling and probably that much more evil. So that's my kind of quick take on the Whoopi Goldberg thing. I, I, I am not not gonna like say like save Whoopi Goldberg like oh I oppose cancel culture here they're everywhere no screw Whoopi Goldberg okay like who the hell cares I mean like if she's suspended for two weeks fine if she's fired I don't care like seriously like no one should no one who was vaguely moderate or right of center should bat an eyelash for like an ignoramus of this level who is saying dumb crap on television getting punished for it all right Todd, we'll get more into that story, but from a broader cancer culture angle with the next issue. Go ahead, Todd. Well, first of all, Josh, when you introduced uh, your podcast and you said, I'm not sure what kind of power I have, I will not let you diminish your status like that. You, my friend, have the kind of power that makes David French write obsessive columns about you. And I want that kind of power. I need that kind of power. I mean, I mean, Todd has has literally begged for a restraining order for the last yes. year and what a half. What else do I have to do? Exactly. All right. And yet you come along, show a little a little of that dookie skirt. And suddenly French is obsesses over over Josh Hammer. You know what it is? He's that's a cooler name than yeah, Todd Erson. Oh, undeniably. That's what it is. I have a yes. Josh Hammer bobblehead. Just I, th- yes. I, statues shall be built. <laughs> Poems will be written. Uh listen, here the the Aaron's genius in putting together that hellscape. The <laughs> nice the professor of yeah, maybe pedophilia is kind of kinda legit. Listen, he. we always have weirdos in this society, but the ability of ideas like that to procreate to the point that they gain the purchase that they now have in this society is only possible because of what he had next on. The stupid clapping seal doctors there with that bag of crazy cats rattling around their head. Those people are legion. They think like that all the time. They're the problem. This professor is a dirtbag. He should, I'm with Josh, he should be fired too. But we've always had, that civilization can survive. I could think of a more primitive punishment in in this case. I'm in on all of it. But civilization cannot survive those clapping seals. We're dead if they are the norm. And we know that they're everywhere. And we can't coexist with it. Aaron. Good grief. I don't know really where to uh, where to go with with this one. I, I, let's just go off the board a little bit here. One that didn't make the cut because it it came out late last night after I'd already completed the 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 hellscape. Um, by the way, Todd, I was blushing when you when you said uh, Aaron's genius when assembling that hellscape. 
Um, that's what a, a guy always wants to hear. Excellent. Uh, but um, Nancy Pelosi telling our athletes yeah. not to criticize oh, the yeah. CCP. Shut up and dribble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. We, we become so accustomed to the crazy. We, we become so accustomed to the crazy. And that montage was crazy. That when just abject evil, just ridiculous, ridiculous sentiments like that are expressed by Nancy Pelosi, a pretty powerful person in our country, right? It's just like, oh, okay, happy Tuesday. I, I just can't. It boggles the mind. But it's not surprising. What does that tell you? Let's get to the exit question. On a scale of one to ten, with one being the times that Donald Trump has correctly called Lindsey Graham a rhino. And 10 being the likelihood that Lindsey Graham goes by Rhino at the manhole bar. Rate this week's level of total depravity, Todd. 10, and I'll fight any man who says otherwise. Josh, did you like that one? I I will say my favorite part of the Dace group is literally the Lindsey Graham joke. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you out of of the sliding scale here, Josh? Go ahead. Uh, 10,000 if it were an option, but I guess 10 for now. All right. Yeah, I'm at Aaron. a 20. I'm still at a 20. Yeah, yeah, that was troubling. Um, folks, you need to know about uh, Annie's Kick Clubs. If you are concerned about uh, not raising the next generation of American lemmings, uh, then you're looking for their genius boxes, uh, fun activities to help encourage your kids, critical thinking skills, in- inquisitiveness, and uh, also teaches them real science, not the science, the real stuff, uh, geology, chemistry, aerodynamics, and more perfect for kids ages 7 to 12. Their genius boxes empower your kids' imagination and those critical thinking skills. Uh, learn how to design a hovercraft, examine fossils, build robots, so much more. Introduce your kids to real science, real research, and the incredible value of asking difficult and good questions. When you go to annieskitclubs.com slash Steve, A-N-N-I-E-S, annieskitclubs.com slash Steve, 50% off your first box at annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. To cancel or not to cancel or... Clay Travis versus Ben Shapiro. This is issue two. Whoopi Goldberg of The View found herself suspended by ABC for two weeks following her comments this week regarding the Holocaust. If you're going to do this, then let's be truthful about it because the Holocaust isn't about race. No, no, it's well, not about maybe race. Maybe it, no, it's about a different it, race, but it's it's not about race. It's not about well, race. What is it about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity to man. But these are two Roma. white groups of people. A debate emerged on the right in America on whether we should applaud lefties being hung by their own rules or whether this is yet another example of cancel culture run amok. Clay Travis of Outkick.com chimed in, saying in a tweet, quote, I don't agree with suspending or firing Whoopi Goldberg. Yes, she said something dumb and ignorant and rightly got called out for her idiocy, but cancel culture is broken and wrong. Punishments like these just make it more powerful to continue the absurd precedent. I understand the desire to demand left-wingers be fired or suspended when they say or do something dumb, but I personally believe that only reinforces the legitimacy of cancel culture. And the only way to end cancel culture is by rejecting it for everyone. 
Ben Shapiro, however, of the Daily Wire, had a different take. Quote, in a sane world, Whoopi wouldn't be suspended. But the left's standard is that if you say a bad thing, then you lose your job. So they should fire her. Mutually assured destruction until you stop with all this nonsense. Classical liberal standards only obtain if everybody holds them. If only one side does, it fails. And the left isn't coming around to classical liberalism anytime soon unless they feel the penalty structure they have imposed. End of story. So let's get to it. First question, choose your fighter here on Cancel Culture. Clay Travis or Ben Shapiro? Todd, I'll let you go first this time. Listen, uh, respect both guys and both make the argument for their side as strongly as I think one could. But I'm in the Shapiro camp. Uh, I, that's what time it is right now. And yeah, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Aragorn, uh, offer them no mercy for none will be offered to you in uh, the second uh, movie of the trilogy there. That's the game. And until they feel some pain, they ain't going to stop. So we're going to make them stop. Josh, where are you at on this? Which of these two camps would you fall into? So I guess I kind of teased it in the previous segment, Pierre. So this is a no-brainer, obviously. I mean, from my perspective, this is not a close call. Clay Travis is a is a good man. I enjoy listening to him, but, but he's sounding a lot like David French here. Okay, this is kind of values neutral liberal proceduralism. This is kind of like a, the liberal paradigm of free speech for all, freedom of religion for all, freedom of X Y Z things for all. That is not the conservative response to the present moment. The present conservative response is to say that certain things are right as a matter of substance and deserve to be defended because they are right. Certain things are also wrong as a matter of substance and they should be punished. There is no mutual. There is no unilateral disarmament in the present fight. Okay, like if, if, if Todd is totally right to frame this as a question of knowing what time it is here, the conservatives will never, ever, ever win. Let alone win in the current moment where all the institutions are arrayed in row, totally against us. They will never win by trying to get us back to some sort of kind of illusionary, imaginary, magical Amen. kind of neutral playing field. It's just not going to happen here. You got to fight fire with fire here. Look. My good friend Ryan Williams, who's the president of the Claremont Institute, he had a great tweet on this. So I, I, I quote him in my, in my column that's out today on this very topic, actually. So Ryan tweeted, quote, those arguing don't cancel Whoopi or Joe Rogan or Ilya Shapiro have not learned from the last five years and failed to see the stakes of the great awakening. At the very least, just don't comment on Whoopi. She's a dishonest ignoramus, after all, who is on the side of the woke revolution. Hang these people by their own ridiculous standards. Good riddance. Aaron. So I'm more firmly in the Shapiro camp, although I don't think he actually goes far enough. As far as knowing what the moment is, the, the third option there is the leftists who cl- created this very phenomenon called cancel culture need to be completely obliterated from polite society and any positions of power. We need to live in a world where people who actually love freedom can say crazy things and be forgiven, but leftists never get that opportunity. That's the zero-sum game that I'm talking about. The rules benefit us more than they do them, or at all them. That's not fair. I don't want to live in a fair world. No, I want to live in a world where people like me and who think like I do, who are patriots who love, the free- who love freedom and who love the Constitution, uh, are treated better than people who want to destroy everything that has to do with American exceptionalism and America in general. That's the kind of zero-sum game we're talking about here. Because people um, who have the take that uh, Clay Travis do, they are still, for some reason, whether or not it's a bubble 
uh, whether or not it's just uh, magical thinking they're living in uh, a world where the social compact has not been broken. That's a, that's been a term that I've used a few times and you've used many times. Social. What is the social compact? I think a, a simple definition is uh, two groups of people with disparate beliefs agreeing upon uh, the rules to the game, yeah. mm-hmm. basically. That's it. Mm-hmm. We're living which in a world, which is what the Constitution used, the, to, provide. The Constitution used yeah. to provide. Yeah. Uh, that's gone, or at least it's in uh, unrecognizable tatters right now. It's like we're playing. We're trying. We're, we think we're playing a game of football, and they're all dressed up in their pads, and they got the ball, and they got the team. Except they're playing with fourteen players, and they get to go out of bounds to get into the end zone all of the time. They get to go out of bounds all the time, and we're sitting here saying, "Oh no, 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 no! You can't do that." You can't do that. Rules say no, no. I'm no. The rules are what we say they are. Now, yep. I'm going down towards the. That's the kind of game we're playing. You cannot pick up right. your ball and walk away from that game. You have to get rid of those people. And I'm not talking in necessarily uh, uh, disappearing those types of people uh, type of way. You have to get rid of them from all positions of powerful uh, power. Make it so that those who believe what the communist and what the leftist believe are so anathema to mainstream America that they can't show their face from behind their pus-infested rocks uh, within their caves. That's the ki- type of game that we have to play right now. I don't think Shapiro went far enough. That's a take. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I would have been pre-Kavanaugh absolutely in the, the Clay Travis camp. Yeah, all I, of us. I, we I, believe I, in the confidence I, of our ideas. Yeah. yeah I, I w- and I would have been very concerned about setting a precedent that would be used against me a little bit later on and yeah. the whole ain't no fun when the rabbits got the gun kind of thing. Right? But- Beginning with Kavanaugh, which I'm still pissed about because it forced me to defend a judge I knew would be a puke and has proven to be. Uh, but beginning with that, just literally making up character assassination. I mean, at least Anita Hill could say she actually worked with Clarence Thomas. There was She never established a singular connection to this man on any level at all. Okay. And yet this led to eight different FBI inquests and background checks and marauding gang rapists. You can't even coach your daughter's basketball team. When you're getting to the granular level of how we live together, now the mob has rules. You don't shoot the wife, you don't shoot the wives, you don't shoot the children. When, 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 you are, when we are engaging in tactics against one another on a cultural level here that even La Cosa Nostra won't do, then we have clearly entered into the realm of a zero-sum game, as Aaron put, Aaron put it. And once it becomes a zero-sum game, I am not going to allow myself to be held hostage to a standard that you are in no way, shape, or form, or a social compact, I should say, that you are actually trying to undermine. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not, I'm not going to put both hands behind my back and allow you to use, you know, a hydra to attack me. I'm not going to do that. At that point, once the rules of engagement become a zero-sum game. Then it, it comes down to th- this is the new game. I I like it when my beliefs win and your beliefs lose. That's yes. the game. Yes, that's the game now. I don't like that. By the way, yeah. I freaking hate it. In fact, because I also recognize historically what the next step of devolution yep. is once we've hit this stage, and that's a place where now you're you know you're ten seconds from a Fort Sumter moment, okay, or an Archduke Ferdinand. So that's why, man, I was holding back as long as I could before going to DefCon two. Because I knew what DEFCON 1 looked like if you've ever read a history book. But I can't ignore what's in front of my face any longer either. 
and what's in front of my face any longer is no restraint will be shown me for showing them restraint. All right. And so, no, at this point now, the new term is the new definition of terms is uh, I like it when my side wins and your side loses. That's what I like. And so that's what I'm for. That's kind of what I'm for now. If we are permitted the luxury down the road of having to reassess and readdress this because maybe it has gone a little bit too far sure. uh, in our direction, yep. I would love to have those conversations oh, someday. That'd be, a, that'd be a great blessing to have that. Yes. Con- It'd be a great blessing to be John Adams defending the Redcoats after the Boston Massacre to be there again, right? But we're not there now. We're John Adams signing the Declaration of Independence because it's a zero-sum game. And he recognized between the Boston Massacre and between and Philadelphia, it became a zero-sum game. That's what he recognized, and that's now where we are. Let's get to the exit question. If the future of cancel culture were a Led Zeppelin song, which Led Zeppelin song would it be? A, no quarter. B, nobody's fault but mine. C, good times, bad times. Or D, Achilles' last stand. Aaron. No quarter. Todd. It's because of what Hammer has done so many times in so many great columns about talking about what conservative is, is separating the wheat from the chaff, the good from the bad, and defending it with integrity and purposefulness. That's that He's describing an Achilles of Western civilization, and that's why in this moment, this is Achilles' last stand. What do you think, Josh? Well, Todd, you're so nice as always here. Look, Steve, you, you said it so well. The imperative at this moment, at this hour of the Republic, is to play tit for tat and to reward our friends and punish our enemies yes. within the confines of the of the rule of law. Yep. That is that is the that is the imperative yep. of the hour. Yep. Um, so for that for that reason, I will go with no quarter. But Todd's answer was a good one as well. And, dude, I finally met Clay for the first time last Friday over at Blaze TV. We did uh, the news and why it matters together. Love the dude. Love the work that he's doing. But. I, I just think, and it's rare, he's kind of been on the cutting edge of a lot of things yep. the last couple of years, but I think he's maybe a year behind on this one. We'll come back uh, with more of the roundtable here in just a moment. All right. Boy, howdy, I have not had one of those in a while, and was it good? Yeah, I've been doing kind of this, you know, retro thing with Built Bar the last few weeks, right? Going back and enjoying some of the uh, original flavors and the original variety box that got me originally hooked on these things, right? It's like your retro jersey days, but with Built Bar. Yes, yeah. And I had not had a peanut butter brownie one in a long time. Holy cow, was that good. All right, that was what I just had during my Built Bar break. Another fantastic flavor. I had a guy email me yesterday, said, I'm telling you, so my my... White chocolate cookies and cream arrived today. And a guy emailed me yesterday. He's like, I'm calling it right now. You're going to put those over the top of cookie dough when they arrive. I doubt it. Just because, guys, I think cookie dough is a food group. Cookie dough is, to me, if this show ever gets as big as Rogan's show, I'm going to do for cookie dough what Rogan does for pot. All right? Cookie dough, to me, is a food group. We will... One day, enjoy it at the marriage supper of the lamb. Maybe bake cookie dough covered bacon, perhaps we might enjoy. All right. I love cookie dough. So I don't know that it's possible to replace that as number one. All right. Hammer's reevaluating his life choices right now. <laughs> we got this guy on this waiting to come on, op ed page editor of a, of a serious magazine, Duke Law, Federal Court of Appeals, and. I'm sitting here talking about cookie dough as a food group. <laughs> I told you I went to community college. I just copy guys like I Hammer. Co- I love cookie dough, for God's sake. There you go. <laughs> so you shut up, Erzin. All right. 
Anyway, if you want to get your Built Bar, the best protein bar of all time, available right now, 15% off when you use my last name, Dace, as your promo code. D-E-A-C-E is the promo code for 15% off your first or next order when you go to Built.com. B-U-I-L-T for Built.com. That's where you get your Built Bars at Built.com. Let's get to issue three. The governors tell the president they want out. And for some reason, that's leap Lord Nefarious says again. Give me two seconds while I figure out what's going on with this machine over here. You've got it. Built.com is where you can go. You you refilled the Built uh, stock for, for Todd and I here. I did. I did. I even I gave you guys an assortment. Yes. I gave I you an assortment of flavors. Yep. And, was, and what'd you think? Flavor. Uh, it, it always delivers. It always delivers. It always delivers. We're good now. All right. Built.com, promo code DACE, 15% off. Now. Issue three, the governors tell the president they want out. The National Governor Association held their winter meeting at the White House this week. And the topic, moving on from COVID, Stan. Head of the National Governors Association, Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, was quoted as saying, we need to move away from the pandemic. We asked the president to help give us clear guidelines on how we can return to a great state of normality. He was flanked in agreement by Democrat Governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, the Democratic vice chair of the NGA. This bipartisan sentiment coming out of the National Governors Association comes on the heels of a new Monmouth poll that shows Americans, except for one notable group, are done with COVID. That Monmouth poll asked respondents' opinions on the following statement. It's time we accept that COVID is here to stay and we just need to get on with our lives. Overall, 70% agreed with that statement, 28% disagree. Amongst GOP voters, 89% agree. Amongst independents, 71% agree. And amongst Democrats, 51% disagree. So, Josh, we have discussed this a lot on our show. The the, the looking for a political off-ramp uh, that Omicron as an attenuated virus provides We spent a good deal of time analyzing that uh, Monmouth poll earlier this week and pointing out there has never been in our lifetimes a domestic issue that every other issue touches on. Either COVID either made every issue worse or is the source of every domestic threat or or challenge we have right now. And when you when you have everybody in America agrees, it is time to move on. I was at the gym this morning. Our governor, Kim Reynolds, was the first governor to announce she's going to allow the emergency order to expire on the 15th. MSNBC did an entire segment on Kim Reynolds <laughs> trashing her. OK, while we're while the gym is packed, by the way, with a bunch of unmasked people working out. OK, so when you've got one issue that is the source of every challenge in the country right now and only one group of people and it's the base of one party says we've got to move on to me, that that sounds like you are heading to an election annihilation, like of historic, like reconstruction times Tea Party, throw in a contract with America kind of re of, of, of annihilation. So do you think Biden, he's got this State of the Union coming up here in the first week of March, do you think Biden will soon align with the governor's wishes of both parties and get out from underneath the weight of COVID restrictions? What do you think, Josh? 
a little bit in that direction, but it's not like he's going to like flip 180 degrees and start, you know, agreeing with like Ron DeSantis, my governor here or anything like that, obviously. Right. I mean, there's just there are just too many vested interests. I mean, look, I, I keep on going back to that, that opening montage, the Lord Nefarious one, because it really was like next level insanity this weekend. You know, you have like that. This is cult like the people like saying, like, get vaccinated, like vac, vac, vaccine, vac, vac, you know, like the dancers, whatever. This is like cult like stuff. And yes, I agree that is probably not a majority of the Democratic voter base, but it is a very, very, very loud contingent. They, they, they are disproportionately influential and in kind of like the blue check far left um, Twitterati and all that stuff, right? But it's not actually just kind of like the crazy woke far left base. Let's not forget about big pharma here. Let's not for, forget about Pfizer or Moderna, obviously, and kind, of, and kind of the corruption, the regulatory capture of the public health apparatus in general, and the extent to which our quote unquote public health bureaucrats are constantly just trying to do with, oh, I don't know, whatever coincidentally happens to pad the bottom lines, obviously, of these, you know, overly large, inflated and swollen pharma, pharmaceutical companies. So look, I, I guess I'm like a little more skeptical but I, they'll probably try to shift on the margins a little bit. But like to your point, Steve, I mean, yeah, they're they're headed for like a once a generation annihilation here. OK, I mean, if Republicans do not pick up at minimum a 2010 Tea Party wave level seats mm -hmm. in the House, then I will be shocked. I mean, I'm expecting probably even bigger than that. So the three of us have discussed this topic yes. ad nauseum, right? Uh, I don't know what else we could add. Um, but now that we have a fourth person's perspective here from Josh, who wants to chime in now in, in response to that? Well, he is seemingly with Aaron and I more than you're the you're the most optimistic one about this. Because I still think on some level, the natural laws of politics still matter. We saw that with Chris Cuomo. I kept saying he'll, he won't survive. Uh, or I'm sorry, Andrew Cuomo. He won't survive. And he did not. Um, and it wasn't because ultimately the natural laws of politics, if it, how's it work over there? This is a white guy. He's an albatross. Mm -hmm. Why are we holding on to this? We've got a woman LG and a black woman AG that we would rather have be the governor mm -hmm. who's more of a true believer anyway and checks every intersectionality box. See, remember, I think you guys thought that I thought this would be like some kind of justice. No, I didn't think that at all. I was actually taking a very cynical approach that they throw the white guy overboard because he's dead weight now, right? And that's what I remember. We saw them do this with Biden. We, we sat here and said, man, they really are going to nominate that Soviet. They're really going to do it. And they're going to get their asses kicked when they do it, right? We uh -huh. sat here. Yeah. And then 72 yeah, yeah. hours before Super Tuesday, what happened? We were, we were blown See, away when they, when they completely lazarus the, the Biden campaign. He starts winning states he never visited, all right? I agree. And, 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 and it was because Order 66 went out, man. We talked about that at the time. Yeah. Are, will they not do that to some degree here? Will they just sit here? It's February 4th. Will they just sit here for another seven months or, or nine months and say, by all means, man, just throw another shrimp on the Barbie. Here's another 10 seats. I don't think they will. Doesn't mean they still won't have a bad midterm. But on some level, don't the natural laws of politics have to occur here again? Well, I don't even I don't think it's the natural law of politics. I just think it's the natural law of elections. That's they're happy to lose more elections than we think they would because of the, the look at the destruction they wreaked. They were trying to reset things. And because there's I'm, I'm with Josh in that there's no when there's no accountability 
for the crazy and and they simply move on from the giant piles of ash that they create and now we're like oh we're maybe bombing ukraine or we're going to cure cancer and they keep doing that without they're shameless that's the problem so yes we're god thank god we have elections to come along to trigger what you're talking about but sometimes they don't even care. They know the destruction that they cause that may be irrecoverable puts the entire country in a place where we're all going to reach out to the great mother to take care yeah. of us sooner or later. And that's yeah. why we're stuck. Okay. Aaron? So this week with the Monmouth poll and, and these were well, the two stories essentially in the, in the rundown and the ongoing dialogue, this is really the first time I have felt removing the political side of this. And understanding that we also live in Iowa that's been open for basically, you know, a year and a half now anyway. Life has not really been a, a heck of a lot different. I can't, re, I can't, I honestly can't remember the last time I wore a mask anywhere. I didn't even wear a mask to the hospital uh, when we had Ben in August because I think uh, even they recognized, hey, uh, the wife is in labor, the the, the, the woman's in labor, we'll, we'll, we'll not worry about the, the mask right now. So it, that's all that all that aside um i think from a practical standpoint the the forces that want to mask forever and get quadruple jabbed on tuesday uh or just because it's tuesday um i i think they are trapped right now i i really do because the numbers my, my whole thesis the entire time is that, yeah, there's going to be an off-ramp. They're going to attempt to take an exit ramp, and they might even take that exit ramp. But the continued failures, whether it's abroad or whether it's domestic failures, whether or not we have a recession, any number of things that this White House could bungle and screw up, um, you know, taking the exit ramp then might just seem like... Uh, not that big of a deal because there's always going to be another thing for them to screw up. Mm -hmm. And so I always thought that, yeah, they could take an exit ramp, but then they could crank back up the COVID stand crazy in the fall, in the time for the election, get the mail-in balloting back again. Those types of numbers, though, from the Monmouth poll, um, you can't overcome that with um, with with mail-in voting. So this is the first time, both practically and politically, I am more in the camp of regardless of whether or not they want their base wants to take it uh the the west is coming out of covid stan i think this year now i don't know what that looks there's always going to be the pockets i mean heck schools are still masking kids that thing is going to go on as long as they possibly can but for all intents and purposes i think mentally people are are checked out well let's get to the exit question if the future of covid restrictions nationwide this year were between now and the election if they were a Led Zeppelin song, which Led Zeppelin song would they be? A, Ramble On. B, Dazed and Confused. C, Stairway to Heaven. Aaron. Uh, dazed and Confused. Todd. Dazed and Confused. Josh. Yep, that's my answer too. Okay, so let's get to the kicker uh, issue here. Issue four. If you could arrest uh, any COVID tyrant other than Anthony Fauci right now, who would it be and why, Aaron? We're going to go with... Um we're going to go with Debbie Burks reading about her in this book. Uh, it seems like all she was driven by was, well, basically anybody, everything anybody was driven by uh, on that task force uh, that was part of the old guard, just id and ego. I mean, it, her especially, though. So I, I would probably arrest her. I know she hasn't been on the scene in a while. I don't care. Good call. I mean, Burks comes off absolutely horrible 
horrible in Atlas's book. Todd. Uh, Mike Pence. That's a good one. That, except for maybe Mike Pence, who allowed uh, her to happen, held her leash, uh, and essentially uh, just... If you read Atlas's book, I mean, he is really her simp. He he is the Grover Dill to her Scott Farkas, basically. That's that's what he is. This guy has failed in multiple eleventh hours in for this culture. When he was vice president, when he was governor, maybe a little jail time will get him to realize what time it is. What do you think? What do you think, Josh? Who would you arrest and why? I'll give a very red meat answer and I'll say Bill de Blasio, even though he's not mayor of New York City any longer. Apparently, there are some rumors that he's considering running for Congress for that current kind of Republican leaning district. I think that is in Staten Island, New York. So he's still like kind of sort of in, in the public eye here. But look, look, Bill de Blasio, who's, you know, a, a, a lunatic, right? I mean, he was born with the very German last name Wilhelm, like adopted the last name de Blasio. If I remember correctly, he literally took down like the portraits of the former white mayors from City Hall as a way to like expiate for his. I mean, this guy's like a freaking lunatic. But on COVID in particular, obviously, he did a lot of real damage. I mean, mm-hmm. it was towards the end of his of, of his mayor tenure there. But what, what he was doing with the vax mandates towards the very end there, basically trying to force the retirements of NYPD and FDNY holdouts, very, very, very toxic and evil stuff. Obviously, you know, in Washington, D.C., Mayor Bowser has kind of picked up that playbook tooth and nail. But Mayor de Blasio really kind of laid the foundation for a lot of these extremely heavy handed, like have to show your papers to get in sort of stuff. So I would I would round that guy up and you know prosecute to the extent of whatever kind of state level charges any kind of creative prosecutor can find. I think there'd be like some widespread bipartisan support for that. Uh, as a matter of fact, let's get to predictions. Uh, and Todd, I'll let you go first this week. Go ahead. No matter who runs for president uh, on the Republican side in uh, leading up to 2024, the vice presidential candidate is going to be our governor, Kim Reynolds. Interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting play. That's bold, but believable. What do you think, Aaron? Uh, Team not currently ranked inside the AP men's basketball top 25 poll, or I'm sorry, top 10 of the AP basketball top 25. A team not currently ranked inside the top 10 will win it all this year. It's not that much of a stretch. It is. (laughs) (laughs) I object. I like how you just declare. Yes, it is. All right, Josh, go ahead. So, look, you kind of brought me on here. You noticed I'm wearing the Duke blue. I mean, I've got my little, like, Duke banner there in the background for those of you who are watching, you know, this instead of just listening in here. So I I guess I'll make a Duke-related prediction here. This is Mike Krzyzewski's farewell season, obviously. Mm -hmm. I am deeply distraught over the fact that I cannot make it back to Durham for one final game in Cameron Indoor. I've tried, you know, between the scheduling, the prices, it's just a a total nightmare. So I'm not going to be able to make it, unfortunately. By the way, the tickets for the Duke-Carolina game, which will be Coach K's final game in Cameron Indoor, on StubHub, it was like five to seven thousand dollars. Oh my! Wow! Worst, for, for, for like the worst seat in the entire house. Wow. Unbel- unbelievable stuff. Um, having said that, um, I'm not going to necessarily confidently predict that our team is going to win it all this year. But I, am, I, I will say that we're going to make it to the Final Four. Okay, this is a very, very talented roster yeah, as far is. as like sheer talent. Probably, probably the most talented roster since the Zion Williamson team, which got upset in, in the Elite Eight, of course, um, back in 2019. But look, it's Coach Hayes' final season. You got to think the guys are going to like at a certain. This level, is one of my predictions for my ten predictions for this year for the Blaze is that they win it all in a swan song. It's one of my one of my wow. predictions. Well, so, yeah, my prediction wasn't, wasn't quite going there, but let's see. Sorry, go ahead, Steve. No, I, I think the Brian Flores racism lawsuit against the NFL is going to get thrown out. I. I don't you have to actually provide some evidence of racism in a racism lawsuit? 
I'm not so sure anymore. I, I mean, there's, there's like there's no evidence I, of racism. I, I'm not so sure. There's a lot of evidence of some real douchebag behavior. Okay, and but much much of it is his like his uh, he said she said no other further documentation other than the Belichick texts. But I, I just think the thing's going to get thrown out. That's what I think. The four of us are racist just for getting up in the morning. Yeah. Isn't that no, all they that's, need? That's true. Josh, good to see you, man. It won't be too long before we'll have you back. All right, take care. See you soon. All right, we'll come back. It'll be your turn for Feedback Friday here in just a moment. Stay tuned. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with... Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, who just got a little chill here, and all of you let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox, which you can take advantage of by emailing the show, Steve at SteveDace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Look for at Steve Dace Show on Twitter and Getter. Just look for Steve Dace Me on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab, and then look at clips of the show that are both free of censorship and free to watch when you go to Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. That's rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Thanks to all of you uh, who are podcast listeners and have hit the subscribe button or left us a five-star review. You're a huge part of our show's ongoing growth and success. Please keep it up. If you have yet to do so, consider doing that for us today. Thanks to all of you that have done those things for us already. We'll get to your feedback here in a moment. Brought to you by ExpressVPN. You know, going online without ExpressVPN is a little bit like using your smartphone without a protective case. Sure, most of the time you're probably fine, but all it takes is one accidental drop into solid concrete to make you wish that you had protected yourself. Every time you connect to an unencrypted network in cafes, hotels, airports, etc., your online data is not secure. Any hacker on the same network can gain access and steal your personal data like passwords, financial details, and more. It doesn't take a lot of tech knowledge to hack someone, in fact. Just some cheap hardware is needed. A lot of times, uh, you know, 12-year-olds can do it. Uh, and your data is valuable. Hackers can make up to $1,000 per person selling personal information on the dark web. So I've got ExpressVPN installed on all of my devices, my phone here, my computer here as well. Takes just a few minutes to do it. So simple, even I made it work. There's a reason why ExpressVPN has won all kinds of awards. Protect and secure your online data and privacy today by visiting expressvpn.com Steve and find out how you can get an extra three months for free. That's Express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N, expressvpn.com slash Steve. All right, you guys ready for some feedback Friday? Always. Let's, let's do it. This is from Mike and Stephanie Shaw. They write, usually depending on my afternoon activities, your voice comes out of my pocket for two hours a day. As I stream the blaze on my phone while doing chores, my wife always comments about how smart you are. But suddenly it's gotten a little chilly here in Southwest Florida. So several times the past two weeks I've had, uh, or since several times the past two weeks, I've had the blaze playing on the TV while I do indoor stuff. Well, now the wife has seen you and she still talks about how smart you are. And now she says she has a crush on you, tormenting me with taunts of this is my boyfriend Look, I love my wife. We've been married for 21 years, so I won't give up easily. But if you are going to take her away, I'm going to need at least a good freezer full of that good Midwestern beef. Deal? 
All joking aside, love the show, guys. Is that a good deal? I just think the compliment's a good deal. Is grass, you still got it, man. It grass, you still got it. Grass or corn well, I, fed? First of all, I didn't think I ever had it, number one. <laughs> Would you say you're in grass, grass or, or corn? corn fed. <laughs> nice. Nice. I like that answer. Dolores in South Carolina says, my niece Colleen is scheduled to go home tomorrow. Is your, is your wife hot? I'm sorry. Uh, Dolores in South Carolina says, my niece Colleen. <laughs> that was bad. I'm sorry. That was very bad. But is she? Uh, Dolores oh in South Carolina says, my niece Colleen is scheduled to go home tomorrow. After 137 days in the hospital for COVID, truly a miracle. My sister told me that she is, listen to this, the first person at this hospital to survive being on a ventilator. Unbelievable. Thank you, Jesus. That is from Dolores in South Carolina. So many people that could have been saved that this did not have to happen to. I just, I I can't even fathom how many people needlessly died. Think of all the stimulus checks we've sent and that money just got, you know, flushed down a toilet or lit on fire by the Joker. How about if we had sent people vitamin D instead? I'm I'm straight up serious. By By the definition that CDC has for vaccine now, Vitamin D is one. Vitamin D is a vaccine. Anything, anything that, that therapeutically reduces the risk of a severe infection of a pathogen is now a vaccine, right? Not an inoculation, not something yeah. that stops you from getting infected, but if, if you get infected, reduces yeah. the severity of an infection. Vitamin D does that. So why don't we... Why don't we have vitamin D as a vaccine now? Maybe you should go to your employer, take this peer-reviewed study from Israel. If you're if you're in healthcare or government, and they're still trying to impose this on you, and say, hey, you know, by CDC's definition, here's my vitamin D level. Went to my physician, got a physical, had him check my vitamin D level. I'm at full saturation. I'm at, I'm at an optimum level, and you know, by the CDC's definition of vaccinated, I'm vaccinated. My vitamin D level is optimal. I'm good. Thank you. Without your mandate, I would not have gotten I would not have gotten my vitamin D level check. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much. It worked. You did. You, you were right. I, I made sure I'm vaccinated. I am vaccinated against COVID because I, my vitamin D level is good. Why not? Well, why not is and it's the thing you cannot unsee and it is deeply unsettling. And I go back to Aaron's montage. Such a thing was never, ever possible when the medical community is full of those two clapping seals who made their little jingle about the magical vaccine. They are legion. So we never had that option, Steve. It never entered their stupid little minds. And even if it did, uh, they think the earth is flat and it doesn't matter. And that's what we need to take into the future. That's why we can't go back to normal, whatever the hell you think normal is. That has to be dealt with because they're going to ruin something coming up next just as badly. They promise you, Steve. Uh, On Monday's show, we are going to show you the evidence of what you just said. Um, And I don't want to say anything more, and I'm not going to give you any specifics because 
as we just saw. Thankfully, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. Oh, I do. You do. Yeah, oh, okay. it's the. It's the it's, you, I already had you. I've given it to you. That, oh, okay. That thing already. You know what I'm talking Good. about? Yeah, now? No, I yeah. Do. Okay. Gotcha. But um, it, it it's why the Rens Law Firm people and the military whistleblowers they were smart to timestamp all the screen caps oh, yeah. of the epidemiological database over Got there it. with the military. Got it. Because now they're claiming that the numbers were wrong and that was the fact check, but they they timestamped everything the entire time to make sure they had a paper trail of this, okay? There have been, I, I mean, numerous studies that we have cited, people like me, Daniel, others have cited, and then later they get retracted or revoked when they do really real science because this is some demonic stuff you're dealing with. On Monday show in the second hour, we're going to show you why the, the medical system in the West responded to this the way that it did. That's kind of the, I think the, I think we all understand the, those, well, all of you within the sound of my voice, if you're watching or listening to a show like ours, you have at least some rudimentary knowledge of the great reset or the idea of never let a crisis go to waste. Even if you're not read up on the world economic forum or any of that stuff, you kind of understand from a worldview standpoint, why the, why the, the political and um, corporate and uh, other elites used this moment to try and reboot society into more of their authoritarian image. You, you, almost any of you right now that are watching or listening to this have enough smarts and discernment to realize that, right? I think, I, so I don't think really any of us were blindsided by what, you know, governors like Gavin Newsom have, have tried to do with this. Maybe you were blindsided by what governors like Mike DeWine tried to do with it. Okay, because they had an R after their name, but but we knew that there was at least some form of this inclination within the the American left. Um, we just learned over the last couple of years that it had penetrated so the, the so called American right at the to some extent at the same time, right? But I think what a lot of people are mystified by. I think of my mother, uh, who you know you guys know my story. Had me at fifteen, dropped out of high school, you know, went back out her GED. Went back to college, got to, became a nurse, um, you know, worked in ERs, worked uh, in, in med stations or what we call now walk-in clinics, um, you know, worked at local doctor's offices and then left active clinical care and went to work for Blue Cross Blue Shield as one of their nurse consultants on, you know, uh, what kind of provide, you know, what kind of coverages and for how long to provide in, in, in patients and stuff. So she works, she's worked every side of this industry. And after having worked at Blue Cross and retiring, she basically thought health insurance companies were the devil, you know, that HMOs were the devil. And now she's just beside herself. She cannot, she cannot believe the industry that she's in. I mean, I, I just got an email from a guy who said that their health, he, he was, their local healthcare system told people on dialysis that they could not get treatment if they would not wear a mask. The whole, you know, you're off the, you're off the, um, the organ transplant list if you won't get a jab, right? I think a lot of us, not just my mom, but who worked in this industry, I think a lot of us are just flabbergasted at how quickly we saw that turn into this, though. Uh-huh. How quickly we like all became Alfie Evans, basically, if you remember that reference, right? Yep. On Monday show. We're going we're gonna to introduce you to why this happened. And we're going to show you 
that they weren't blindsided by this as an industry. It, it wasn't that these were extreme circumstances and everybody panicked. Oh, I, I wish that were the case. We're going to show you that on an institutional level, they were already prepped and prepared to act this way, particularly when it comes to jabbing people. And that's all I'm going to say for now. And we're going to, we're going to let you hear almost like you're going to eavesdrop in on their own conversations with each other. You do not want to miss this because you got fair. Is that a fair description? You don't want to miss this on Monday. This wasn't an outlier. It was a harvest. They were waiting to do this, waiting to do it. Greg Mitchell writes, are you forgetting that the Democrats cannot critically think for themselves? Once their puppet masters and the Democrat media tell them COVID, COVID is over, it will be done. This is what I was kind of bringing up last hour. The reference about uh, it, Joe Biden was not was a non-factor in the Democrat presidential race in 2020. When he finished like fourth or fifth or something yeah. in Iowa. We still don't know who won, though. <laughs> Do we know who won the, the 2020 Iowa Democratic caucuses yet? Do we know? Uh, no. Okay. But he we know, he we didn't win New Hampshire. He didn't win yeah. Nevada. Yeah. And then he won. He won South, South Carolina. Carolina but, but, but he was dead as a doornail yeah. as a candidate. Just dead. And this looked like a Bernie Sanders fait accompli. And within 72 hours, someone issued the code red. Order 66 went out on Bernie and yeah. said, we cannot run an open Soviet. That guy is going to get us annihilated. We're going to lose to Trump. And suddenly, they weekend at Bernie's, um, the carcass, the political mm-hmm. carcass of Joe Biden. Remember that, right? Yep. And this, and what Greg Mitchell's alluding to is my is why I'm saying they will choose some form of an off ramp. Some of them will. The Democrat governors are already signaling they're going to do this. Guys, six months ago, Asa Hutchinson was begging the federal court to overturn. The, the ban on mask mandates that he signed into law, <laughs> all right? Now he's the one lobbying the White House. He's basically a Democrat. It's just he knows he lives in Arkansas, so he can't get away with it. The, I, they are going to try to choose something, something. Whether it'll be too late, whether it won't go far enough, because this thing is wrecked systemically, and so there will be no turnaround in time for October or November. But I would be... I almost said stunned. And then I realized the times in which I live. I will be mildly surprised. <laughs> oh, there you go. I'll take it. You'll take that. I will be mildly surprised if they just sit here for the next nine months with like Danny DeVito in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest hit me, but it's their head to desk. Head, head to desk, head to desk, head to desk, head to desk. That they're just going to do that for nine more, nine more months. I just... I don't believe it. They might do that in Washington. And maybe I should make that caveat. That might happen in Washington. But guys, you see the city of Denver yesterday? City of Denver, city of Denver announced beginning today, no more masks, no more jab passes. Is that not like hippie progressive nirvana? Isn't it? I mean, what's more hippie progressive than Denver? Right? Sure. I think so. Okay. So, I mean, Denver's going there. So in these individual states, it might be it might be in these individual states that several Democrat governors just kind of revolt on their own. And maybe in Washington, because they're so. The Washington Democrat Party is so 
is so enslaved to its Twitter base and its cable news base within that, you know, bubble that maybe on a national level, Biden and those people just can't ever Mm -hmm. overcome it. All right. But I will tell you on a state level, there are going to be several blue states that are going to be done with this. And it will be this year, just like you're watching Finland and Ireland. I mean, Sweden announcing an end to restrictions is nothing. They never really had any. Okay. But the UK, Czechoslovakia, New Zealand. Did you guys see this? New Zealand's going to stop vax passes and quarantines now. New Zealand is. This came out yesterday. All right. So I I just, I don't believe holistically as a party, they're just going to sit there and say, yes, uh, thank you, sir. May I have another? I don't. You're of course right on some level. We just don't know the level because everything you just said coexists within the very same news cycle as the story you just said about Kim Reynolds does what she does and MSNBC tars and feathers are for. They're going to try to have their cake and eat it. They're going to be, this is what they've done with this. Like Florida is always a pile of ash, but then it moves north into a liberal place and there's no, you're right. It's the monkeys. It's this, it's this. I mean, it's chaos. So we're both right. We're both wrong. Who the hell knows? Maybe we are accurately in my sports in my sports media career, you guys remember the story when Larry Eustachie, the Iowa State coach, stayed behind on a road trip yeah, to Missouri yeah. and got caught drinking uh, beers with co-eds at, bar, at a bar and got fired for it? Okay, Those are more innocent times. Yeah, th- that became like a national sports story <laughs> at the time. Okay. And um, the Iowa State athletic director at that time was a good friend of mine. And, and, and so I was doing local sports talk radio and, and I knew what was going on with the story the entire time. And then, so I knew Eustachie was going to get fired, right? I, and so they start doing the search for a new basketball coach. And the interviews were going on here in Des Moines. I mean, they went out and got rented hotel space. So they were interviewing here in Des Moines. I knew they had reached out to Dana Altman, now the Oregon coach, who was at the time at Creighton and stuff. And so I, I had an Iowa State fan website at the time. And I am literally, you know, my source is the guy doing the interviews and get a hire for the job. You cannot have a better source. That's not That's not even a source. That's just the guy. That's the guy. He's the source. <laughs> yes. Yes. Not a source. The source. He's the one doing the interviews and is going to make the call. And I mean, he was literally coming to my house. I mean, one day Bruce Vandevelde, after interviewing, came to my house to give me an update. Other times, just call me on the phone. All right. I couldn't get better at, I couldn't get better updates. But- Sometimes I'd give an update like I think Dana Altman's very interested and then I go on my website an hour later, okay, he's not interested. And people accused me of making stuff up because we didn't have a term called clickbait back in like 2004, but I was just doing this, you know, to get hits on my website, right? My Iowa State website. And I was kind of trapped. Now, this is the, it's a good thing when you you have the main source. It's a bad thing when your main source though is the main source, but he's a little unstable, all right? Because I, I couldn't say to people, Guys, my reporting's good. The search is just going this badly. <laughs> I couldn't say that. <laughs> I couldn't burn my source because he's the source. I couldn't do that, right? And so I just had to sit there and take it. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I just sat there and took it. I'm making stuff up, you know. And of course, they end up they didn't hire anybody. They had to promote an interim, an assistant that had only been there for a year that no one knew, who actually ended up doing a nice guy and ended up doing a decent job, Wayne Morgan. But, yeah. but I bring that up in this context because. Uh, is it possible that you and I are actually not at, or, or the three of us are not at odds on this? Yeah. But that the three of us are accurately, it just seems like we're at odds. 
Because we are accurately analyzing what really is the current state of the Democratic Party. Yes. That there is a shrinking base of, old, of, of the liberals that used to drive us mad, but at least believed in some form of reality. Like now you've got um, John Stewart coming out begging people not to try yeah. to cancel Joe Rogan. It's adorable. It, it, he just, it's adorable. He really thinks that they really were liberals. That's what Hammer was talking about yeah. last hour, right? And, and this group of people is still there. They were true believers in this openness, right? And But that group is shrinking, but it is still there, okay? And and it's it's not insignificant either. I mean, what was the Monmouth poll? Basically 5147. So that's basically, if you look at the margin for error, the party's basically split on whether to move on or not, right? And, and so is it possible that it's just these things are actually simultaneously true? That it, it just seems confusing because that party is in the throes of deciding once and for all, are we a demonic cult or not? Yes. There is a demonic cult within our base. Will it be? Will it become the base? Will it become what the, the what the party is? That's kind of being decided right now. And maybe you guys are analyzing one half of that fifty percent correctly, and I'm analyzing the other half of that fifty percent correctly. And so we're not really, and it, it, it's not really a, a difference as much as we're looking at right. a mirror darkly here, and we're on opposite sides of the reflection. You had me at demonic cult. <laughs> Nice. I hope Bruce Vanderbilt isn't mind that I outed this story. It's 15 years old now, so I think it's okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My, my source was the AD. For those of you that hammered me at the time for making stuff up, I I wasn't making stuff up. The the search was just going that badly. Yes. Uh, let's go <laughs> next. Let's go to Greg. Does uh, it feel good to get that off your chest? It's been 15, 15 years, <laughs> and I've I've taken that crap for 15 years. Finally, get to come clean. Let me tell you, my deep throat was on that one. All right. The guy doing the interviews and the hiring. Anyway, uh, in a sermon years ago, I was told that the book of Judges was a very dark time for Israel. No clear king, fallen away from God, reliance on law and righteousness led to the period of uh, relying on law and unrighteousness led to the period of Judges. This was a terrible time, according to what I remember. What I thought then and what I wonder now is our society in a parallel period whereby we all sit around waiting to hear what courts like the Supreme Court will rule. Okay, um, SCOTUS says killing babies is okay, so it is. Okay, SCOTUS says nur- nurses get to have to get a jab, so you do. Okay, SCOTUS says the words in the Constitution don't really mean or don't really say what they say. So is this in, in this case, is it in reverse? Where as opposed to judges in the Bible were doing God's uh, work, in order to clean up this unrighteousness and uh, and and, un, and, cl- and lack of clarity on the law, then in our time the judges do the opposite. That they are doing the work of confusing the clarity of of what is the rule of law and encouraging unrighteousness. That they are doing this work on behalf of the spirit of the age. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. By and large, there's always going to be exceptions. But uh, the analogy of the football game that I gave last hour where uh, one side is playing by the rules as agreed upon and then the other side is just kind of making them up as they go along mm-hmm. and saying, uh, no, we're playing by our rules now. You, I mean, you can play by, the, you know, those old rules, but we're playing by our old. But it would the, be honorable for us to continue to play by those correct. old rules. Yeah. Now, mean, meanwhile, the referees are the judges in this, in this mess here and they're aiding and, be- and abetting one side. All of the time, uh, by and large, they are aiding and abetting um, the 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 left in this analogy. So I think I think that is uh, I think that's a proper comparison. 
I think the best analogy I have come up with since we've been having this conversation during this this evolution on our show of are we added because here's the thing I I feel compelled as a Christian to not prematurely call for a zero sum game because mercy in my worldview mercy triumphs over judgment okay so now no no those words though have to be very precise the the New Testament does not say that mercy cancels judgment it doesn't say that does it no it does not say that. It says it ultimately, though, it triumphs over judgment. What's the ultimate example of that? The Lord on the cross. The Lord on the cross. But what are his final words? It is finished or it is accomplished. Mm -hmm. What is finished? What is accomplished? The wrath of God for is satisfied. Mm -hmm. That's what he means. Which means that there was a wrath of God and it deserved, it was justified and it was holy and it was righteous. Mm -hmm. And therefore he was, God was justified as our father in wanting that wrath to be, to be satisfied. Correct? Yes. And, and so even to the point of, of, of paying the highest cost he could on our behalf to do it, but it still had to be done, right? That's what I mean by mercy doesn't cancel judgment. And there is still a hell, correct? Yes. Now there is a path out of it that, that never existed prior to this, right? Mm-hmm. But there is still a hell, right? Yes. So mercy doesn't cancel judgment, but it ultimately triumphs over it. That doesn't have to be the end of the story. That doesn't, the story doesn't have to end with them rolling the stone in front of a tomb. It doesn't have to end there. Okay. Um, if we acknowledge, if we, if we believe that the stone was rolled away, our story doesn't end then in the tomb either, just like his didn't. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I'm, I am uncomfortable, especially because of my nature, man. I'm far, I know a lot of people are uncomfortable with the, with the way God behaves at times in the old Testament guys. I'm really comfortable with it. I got to be honest, man. Like I'm totes, totes comfy, totes comfy with it. In fact, I'm really challenged by what I see in the new Testament guys. (laughs) All right. I'm far more, uh, my nature is far more challenged by the notion that mercy triumphs over judgment. I'm far more comfortable with the God says, all right, man, I'm 400 years silent on y'all. Cause I just can't, I can't, I can't even with y'all anymore. 400 years. I'm, I'm taking a walk about 400 years. I'm walking the earth. You're on your own. All right. I'm far more comfortable with that than mercy triumphs over judgment. And so because of that, I'm, I, I, I try to put a check on my own spirit and I'm not comfortable. Therefore, I don't think I'm the right person to tell us uh, as a movement when it's a zero sum game, because I would have made it a zero sum game about five minutes into mm-hmm. this. Okay. That's kind of how I roll. You know, I'd have been like, let's, let's slay some Canaanites five minutes into this. Okay. I mean, I would not have been one of the Israelite soldiers that stopped. You would have had to tell me to stop. Okay. Oh, it's over now. Are we sure? Let me get one more in here for the folks back home. All right. That's just how I am. That's my nature. So I, I think in general, Christians should be, should be hesitant to declare zero sum games. But that at the same time, we can't deny them when they occur. We, we can't, we can't deny them when they occur because then we end up falling for a lie on the other side. And I think, and I think that's what's happened to Beth Moore. I think that's what, that piece that Megan Basham for the Daily Wire wrote, I know a lot of you have sent it to me. It's a great piece. We're going to have her, I think, on the show next week talking about it. I think this is what happened to Ed Stetzer at the Billy Graham Association. 
I, I mean, I think what's his name, Russell? What's his name over there? Moore. I think, yeah, I think he was a wolf in sheep's clothing yeah. all along. Yeah. Okay, I mean, this isn't new to him. I mean, he he has been he he has fought against us on every issue that we have tried to fight to to sustain our civilization. He's pretty much been on the wrong side of other than abortion, but I give him no credit for that. Because if you out yourself as being pro-choice, then you're, you can't be an effective wolf in sheep's clothing anymore. You're just a wolf, right? So, I, I mean, he's been on the wrong side of every pro-life issue other than abortion. What is pro-life about? Hey, let's have a human trafficking ring open and we, we just operate wide open at the border because of amnesty. What's pro-life about that? Nothing. But I think for guys like Stetzer and, and Beth Moore and others... They looked at the emergence of Trump and thought that this is this is going to create a zero-sum game. This guy has unrestrained hedonistic behavior where this is not the right time for us to draw a line in the sand. And, and now their desire to have that original assessment of the situation affirmed has broken them. And, and now they find themselves smearing their own people. They, they find themselves uh, bearing false witness on behalf of the very spirit of the age that they used to so strongly speak out against, right? And so I, I don't really know where the line is between we're a zero-sum game and we're not. I don't. I'm not... There's a reason why I love Nehemiah and Nehemiah 13 is like one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Because I will declare a zero-sum game before one probably should be declared. But I also think that we have to come to a point when we recognize, oh, it's a zero-sum game now. So we have to respond accordingly. And I think you're seeing the wheat and the chaff separated by who's willing to make that admission right now and, and then who is not. More in a moment. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, part two of Feedback Friday, brought to you by Home Title Lock. Don't find out the hard way exactly how much equity you have in your home because you found out when you tried to access it and it wasn't there. This crime is called home title theft. Here's how it works. Um, the deed to our homes are often the only documents that prove we actually own it. And a lot of these deeds to our homes are kept online these days. And in minutes, a competent criminal can forge your name off the deed to your home and then refile as the new owner. I know it sounds like something that's the plot of a movie, but this has actually happened to people and more people than you might think. And guess what? Uh, a lot of your common identity theft protections, which are very worthwhile, by the way, don't protect you from this. Certainly, your mortgage lender and your homeowner's insurance does not, but that's what our friends at Home Title Lock do. They put a virtual barrier around your home's title so that the moment they detect any attempt at tampering, they mobilize to protect you and shut it down. Make sure your home is protected. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, let's continue on with some feedback Friday. This is from Joel Hans. Just to establish my baseline, I don't have a Christie Gnome fetish. I even live in Virginia. So I don't know much about uh, Dakota politics outside of what I see nationally. With that caveat, why does the standard you just laid out for Cruz the other day, and this is after he made his comments about 
calling this, uh, what was, what did he say it was? Um, I want to make sure I quote it exactly. Did he say it was a domestic terror or yeah. did he yeah. is that what he said it was? Yeah. Okay. Uh, after he Cruz made those comments. All right. And, and I said, he's worthy of absolutely all of the, the, um, the crap that he got for that. And then I said, Hey, but look how it worked. Because he's the guy that finally now used his platform in the Senate to ask questions like, who's Ray Epps? Were there any plain-clothed FBI agents there, right? Questions that people like Julie Kelly have been trying to ask for over a year were now getting asked under oath in Senate hearings. Why? Because Cruz felt the heat, and I made the point, that's why be careful about throwing the baby out with the bathwater when someone who has shown in the past that they're willing to stand up for you and even if they really screw you this time, if you hammer them and they respond in kind, they're still useful to you as an employee, mm-hmm. right? That was kind of the point I made. Okay. He wants to know, Joel does, how come this, whether or not this applies to Christy Nome? He's like, yes, she screwed up on the whole um, uh, situation with, uh, you know, protecting women in sports. But he goes, I like them both. I don't necessarily feel like he is electable nationally. Known perhaps work with work would be. Um, the point being, she she seems smarter and more put together than Palin and, and therefore has a winning package. Is that not worthy of resurrecting? So here's my question. I've not had a chance to look at the bill that she just put out. So I know now that she has been trying to put out now the strongest bill on protecting women in sports after what happened last year. Uh-huh. And so with everything going on with COVID and the jabs, I've not, forgive me, I've, I've just not had a chance to delve into it. Let's take, let's just assume that she did. For the for the sake yeah. of Joel's argument, let's assume that now, she after all the blowback she got last year for this and everything else, that now South Dakota has the best law in the country, protecting women's sports. Does Joel have a point that, hey, you know, um, Cruz was still useful after screwing us over on that point. Why isn't she now still useful after originally screwing us over on this point? Because her entire freaking team tried to a- accuse those holding her accountable of conservative cancel culture. Ah, I'd forgotten about that angle. She tried to obfuscate for several days, it seems like, before... Uh, and then, and it was months later that she finally came back and said, oh, "Okay, we'll do it the way you want it to." And it wasn't just one issue. I'm I'm entertaining what you're talking about as well, but w- there were two things, and I my mind is so scrambled on everything that's happened. What else did she cave on? Or oh, it was the jabs. The idea that it was oh, it yes, wasn't her job yeah. to tell a corporation, right. a private that's corporation, oh, yeah. how yeah. to handle their business. Yeah. So I had forgotten about that. She's yeah. not learning. This okay. is a two-way street right. here. Yeah, that I, since because yeah. I was actually the reason I put Joel's email in here because I was actually thinking I think Joel's got a pretty good point. I'm sympathetic well, to. I it. think he still so, has so, a. I, I general mean, it, point. it's still yeah. a good point yeah. as a general rule. It's about whether it applies to Christy yeah. Nome in this situation. Okay, so. Those are two two examples where ultimately she caved to the same corporate mumbo jumbo nonsense that all of the other Republicans. See, it's right. That's the thing. She's just we know Cruz, even when he made this mistake, no one was going to suddenly think he was like a corporate shill. But she had two big examples of why it seemed like she was going to be more like the, the Mike Pence stuff suddenly. And just when we really needed her. 
she was going to go away. So I, those are good points. I'm glad you brought up that second issue because I had totally forgotten about it because I was about to pretty much agree with, I agree with your point, Joel, as a principle, because I think it's frankly the principle that we were trying to articulate. You just did a good job of, of calling us on our own BS to make sure we were yeah. willing to apply it on a even basis, not just for uh, people that I used to work for. So that's also why I included it. But in this case, so, so it's a good principle. Now the question is, is it a good application? I, I think prior to COVID, and you guys do this every day with me for a living, so you're pretty well informed, right? Yes. Prior to COVID, was Christy Nome known as like a first line of defense no. Republican? No. Was Ted Cruz? Yes. Yes. Okay. So right, so right away, if this was just a stock, let's forget that I used to work for the guy. It's just a stock. Yeah. Right away, whose stock was of higher value, <clears throat> excuse me, pre, prior to COVID from a, from a run, charge into the battle standpoint? Whose stock was more valuable prior to COVID, Cruz's or Gnome's? Well, not only Cruz, but there's a lot of people in between. Well, there's not as many as I'd like, but there's still quite a few people in between Cruz and Gnome prior Because to Cruz COVID probably would have been point. one of the highest stocks we yes. had at that time. Okay. COVID, her stock soared, right? Yeah. Cruz is at times dipped, was tepid, disappointed us. He seemed to be slow, particularly year one. He yeah. was better in year two, but year one he seemed slow to react, yes. right? Yes. So whatever we, we think that gap was, Closed. it was closing. Yeah. Fair. Okay. And then... um. With these two issues, because they both stemmed from the same source with Gnome, her ties to corporatists, because that, that doesn't that then, and I think we said it at the time, doesn't it cause you, and why are we spending details on this, is to help us figure out and learn together how to vet yeah. candidates and situations and when to, when to sell a stock and when to buy, mm -hmm. okay? Didn't it make us think, okay... The fact that she was afraid of losing champ championship sporting events and then didn't want to tell corporations that, um, yeah, sure. I mean, treat your employees as lab rats if you want. Doesn't that, didn't that then make you go back and look at how good she was on COVID during that point in time and think, was it really about the principles of bodily right. autonomy and the Constitution? Or was that driven by corporatism as well? Because it was an excellent opportunity to grow her state's economy right. while everybody else was shutting theirs down, right? Yeah. And maybe we were wrong, but it at least begs that question because you're now trying to reconcile how are you so bold on this and then so weak on these two issues that were not nearly yeah. as difficult to, to, to fight on as COVID originally was before we even had all the data in, right? Yes. So... Okay, so I, I, I still think, if, if we're doing the math, Joel, that in this application, there's not as much invested in, in her performance as a stock to justify two terrible quarters of quarterly performances in a row. Now, though, Joel, if you're looking at this as a future buy, like if you think, I've probably gotten the most out of Cruz on a national level than I'm ever going to get because I don't think he can get higher office. Then you're more of a prospective buyer and you might be looking at it differently. You might look at the package of what Gnome brings to the table. She's gorgeous. That matters. Um, she's articulate and gorgeous. That matters. Um, and she absolutely 
comes across smarter than than Palin did to the average person. All that matters, right? Yeah. And so if you're looking at it from a as a prospective buyer, and you're thinking, well, who, you know, who could I get a better ROI from in the future? And I'd rather resurrect her stock because I think Cruz's stock might be tapped out. I don't necessarily fault you for that either. I think it kind of depends on which perspective you're looking at. But but to me, I think Gnome's got to give us more than I corrected the worst, the dumbest possible political decision any Republican could make. All right. By being a woman and against protecting women's sports with, with and then trying to destroy conservative media's credibility for calling me on it. That all just seemed I think that's a valid point that Aaron made. The whole thing didn't yeah. seem like amateur hour. Yeah. Like I could I had enough sway that I was going to move you guys and not listen to you. That's a little bit how public health has treated us for the last couple mm-hmm. of years. doesn't matter what data you have. And if you are wrong, you want to kill grandma. Uh, if you disagree, then um, then you're against science. That's essentially what her and her political team did on the gender thing, right? Absolutely. With, with Ted Cruz, whenever there's been frustrations, disagreements, one thing I've never thought about Ted Cruz is I can't trust him. And that's where I'm at with... The governor up there. I don't. I don't know really who she is. So I can't fundamentally trust her for these times. I'd like to grow into that. I'm open to it. As a person who will have a 30 year anniversary this April, living with HIV, I listened to your recent Theology Thursday segment, beginning with Scott Doctor Scott Atlas's book, um, and and his talk about Anthony Fauci repeating is scaremongering, scaremongering on COVID the way he did with AIDS, and it had me so angry, I was almost in tears. I was lucky. I knew that this, was going, this wasn't going to take me out, and I totally attribute that to God. He had other plans for me. But to know how much emotional suffering my, me and my family have endured, it enrages me. I am gay, but I'm also a strong Reagan kid who knew what was right and what was wrong. I knew being gay was an affront to God, and I refused to admit that 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 wasn't true. My gay friends called me Hitler Youth for being conservative, but I laughed it off. I'm now a Catholic and six years celibate. I'm not sure why I'm writing this other than to say I abhor injustices, not of life, but those that thrust upon people by those in power. I want nothing more than the maximum justice we can achieve in this life. Count me as one of your faithful listeners who think you guys are completely on the right track. And there are those of us out there with more complicated histories who have your back. Keep up the good work. By the way, my Mount Rushmore of comedies is airplane, top secret, naked gun. And there's something about Mary. Yes, I'm dating myself. I'm 51. David. First of all, David. There's something about Mary. I completely had forgotten about that when we had that conversation. That is all the way through. One of the most times I've ever laughed at a movie out loud in a theater in my life. That absolutely should be in the conversation. But I wanted to read this email for two reasons. One, because he recognizes the pattern here. All the same scaremongering that we saw with the outbreak of HIV, we see and and saw from Fauci with the outbreak of COVID. The other thing I wanted to touch on, though, is this note here. He writes, there are those of us out here with complicated histories. David, all of us have a complicated history, my friend. All of us have a complicated present, brother. Okay? And... 
It's only when we recognize that that Jesus comes along and says, I'm going to uncomplicate your future. We all have complicated histories. We all have complicated presents. Now, some of our histories and presents are more complicated than others, but they are all complicated. All of them are. And it's the, the humility and the meekness to acknowledge that. And then to recognize, and that's why, that's why we need, that's why we need a savior. We cannot save ourselves from those complicated histories and presents. That's when Jesus comes along and uncomplicates your future. So, excellent note, brother. Really appreciate it. Before we get some final thoughts on the show today, uh, a reminder about realestateagentsitrust.com. If you're getting involved in the real estate market during these unprecedented times. Bing. <laughs> I love the class. Gets me every time. Somebody asked me, what is that all about with the Bing? Because we started promoting real estate agents I trust during when COVID and lockdowns first began. And the phrase unprecedented times was in media every yes. day. And so we were, it was just kind of a joke. Hey, we got to make sure to say something about unprecedented times. Yes. All right. And it just became like a ping, check the box. Right. So we've just continued it ever since then. But if, if, if you would like to have unprecedented success in navigating the complications of the real estate market, make sure you get an agent that you can trust and the name of where to go to find one says it all. Head to this website, company started by Glenn Beck and his associates, so you know you can trust it. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, this is where you want to go right now. Just about anywhere you want to move to or from, we can help you find a real estate agent that will you can trust to be successful for you at realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, final thoughts on the show today. Hearing... David's letter and your response, I'm like Chris Farley. That was awesome, man. Uh, I just, it's so refreshing in a time when everybody's making idols around your sin. That was the most normal story I've ever uh, heard regarding that particular issue. It, it, it just was, it puts it in its place. It's, it's brokenness just like the rest of us have. That's why you, making your sin story... You don't have to. You don't have to dial it up to eleven. Yeah, Steve's right. Some are worse. Some are better. But ultimately, it it's it's the truth is enough, and that applies to sin too. The truth is enough. We're all broken. We all have feet of clay. We have our betters. We have our worses, and we give it over to God. We make that the highest thing, and pray day by day that we get it sorted out. I found your letter so refreshing. Thank you for sharing it with us. You made my day. Hmm. Man, I kind of just want to let that linger and kind of end on that note because that's that's a great word, Todd. And I think um, the more we hear stories like that, one, it's just encouraging for us, as I am sure it is for those of you listening or watching. But secondly, the more we hear those stories you're looking for signs of revival um, more and more I think that might be one of them at least in the nascent nascent stages Hmm. good word to close us out both of you Uh, and hope all of you have a great weekend we're going to stick around do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers for the rest of you we'll see you Monday big show Monday John 317 this is Steve Dace 
on the Blaze Radio Network.